Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be the Church podcast, where we are engaging in conversations that will encourage you to live out your faith in everyday context so that you can be the church. I'm your producer, Isaiah Fetterman. I'm one of your hosts, Theo Lightborn. And I'm one of your other co-hosts, Kevin Anderson. So if you're tuning us with in with us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're currently going through and about to finish Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. So this is the last one in the book. It's kind of sentimental because like this is what we've been doing for a while now. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, since, since stay-at-home orders, really. Yeah, like we really, I mean, we've talked about a couple of other things, but this has been the bulk of what we've talked about. So Yeah, absolutely. Gonna be good. Big, big transition. Yeah, so we are going over chapter 12 uh, and mostly 13. So uh, we'll talk more about that as we get there, but it's on learning and then really mostly about perseverance. So um, yeah, I'm going to try not to cry as we go through our last one, guys. <laughs> this is not um, the last podcast. <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm not really a sentimental person, but sometimes it just it just comes out. I'm not sentimental at all. So, <laughs> it, you know, last night at our gospel community, one of um, the parents' children walk up to me while we're there in the kitchen, and he goes, what do we have to drink? And I said, well, nobody brought drinks tonight, so we have water. And he kind of looks at me, and then I said, if you're looking for pity or something else, you've chosen the wrong person to, <laughs> to come to. And, and my wife was laughing and the mother of this child was laughing as well. And uh, my wife goes, yeah, absolutely. You're going to get no sympathy from him. If you're, if you're looking for sympathy and your disappointment that there's not some sort of sugary beverage for your consumption, <laughs> you need to go find it somewhere else. You came to the wrong house. <laughs> uh. Fantastic. This is why we love you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal honesty. Yeah. yeah. So uh, without further ado, then <laughs> we're going to hop in here um, and just do a quick recap of uh, just an overview of the book for people. So with that, um, Kevin, what are spiritual disciplines? I mean, as we've we've been talking now for for months there. Um, you know, disciplines, both personal and corporate, that we intentionally engage in. Um, things like Bible reading, praying, uh, fasting, uh, learning, persevering, you know, the two things we're going to talk about today. Uh, things that we do specifically uh, in order to grow closer to Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And Theo, why are they important? So spiritual disciplines, as we've been saying for the last several months now, are important because they're the way that we get to know God, and they're the way that we become like God. Obviously, all of us are image bearers of God, and this helps us to bear his image better as we practice the spiritual disciplines. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado, we'll hop into uh, the specific chapters, and uh, with that, 
we are mostly doing chapter 13, but we wanted to give a quick shout out to chapter 12, <laughs> uh, which is on learning. So um, uh, I'll have Kevin, do you want to explain why we're just doing it real quick? Why we're doing just a short. Yeah, well, just it's quick and short. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, learning is one of those things I think you can cover pretty quickly. Uh, and it pretty much speaks for itself as to, to why it is important. Um, I think Theo, you you probably had some thoughts on learning on why why you think it is important and and maybe some things you gleaned from the chapter. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that one of my biggest personal takeaways from this chapter uh, was the section that talked about how you could learn and develop and grow as a believer by asking other more mature believers mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. And I was always the type of kid who would just ask a million questions of my mom and just annoy her so much. And she was like, you know, one day you're going to grow out of this and I'm going to be so happy. And here I am many, many days later and I have not grown out of that. Um, And it's one of those elements that gives us the ability to learn and to mature. I can't tell you how many times I have avoided going down a a negative path um, into some activity because a person who had gone down that path was able to explain it to me well enough to where I was like, you know what? I think I want to avoid that. Yeah. And so if we just have the ability to connect with mature Christians, to ask them questions, that's one of the best ways that we can learn and grow as disciples of Christ. Yeah. I, I think something I would add to that, and I, I agree with everything you say there. It's just, it's, it's really a, a lifestyle choice. So, and let me pause and say this. I, I think, the des- the desire to learn and always be learning something can both be for those that are in Christ and and, and want to learn the disciplines and grow in the disciplines. But I also think, you know, really you should be pursuing that in any field of study or any pursuit you're, you're after in right. life. And, you know, whether it's growing in leadership skills, growing uh, in your knowledge maybe of another language or a skill – um, or theology or whatever it may be that, you know, those types of things are just really, really important. I think from, uh, a psychological standpoint and, and so learning should be a, a lifelong pursuit and process. Um, I also do believe that it's a biblical mandate that we be learning and growing specifically, uh, about the Lord. Uh, you know, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter three, when he's he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, "But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of of the flesh and behaving." On- excuse me, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And I think one of the things he's trying to point out to them is obviously the church at Corinth had all sorts of issues going on, but one of the things that they were struggling with was learning and growing and maturing in Christ, maybe even struggling with the spiritual disciplines that we've been going over and and working through in this podcast. And there is an expectation there from Paul for for the church at Corinth is, you guys need to grow up. You need yeah. to grow up, and part of that growing up is going to be able to learn, right? I gave you spiritual milk because you're infants. You need to be growing up so that you can learn the deeper things of the Lord and see his faithfulness in various ways. And so, you know, not only do I think it's for our good, but I think it's actually a biblical mandate and a command and that we should follow. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So um, for those of you who wanted a, a full thing on learning, sorry, it's going to be cut short a little bit. Um, but uh, the book does a great job talking through it. And, uh, you know, I think those are some great takeaways. Uh, just thinking through the, the like the lifelong longevity of um, learning always being there as well as uh, seeing the fellowship aspect of it and yeah. just really being around people. Maybe, maybe one last thing to add to that I, I thought maybe was helpful from the, from the book and, and maybe it doesn't fit in our context as much because we're mm -hmm. in a university town. So the idea of learning, you know, makes sense, but mm -hmm. there, there are some people that kind of get to a phase in, in their walk with the Lord and be like, ah, I trust him. I don't need to know anything else. And I, I think that's really dangerous. I think it's yeah. really dangerous to think that you've arrived and, yeah. and knowing enough about Christ and knowing enough about the scriptures and, and what God has done. And so I, I would just really encourage you to view learning as a opportunity to continue to grow and display humility in your own life yeah. as well, which is a fruit of the spirit. And so, you know, pursue learning we think it's important we're not going to dive into it for 45 minutes but definitely you know take it seriously right. and and desire to kind of gr grow in that discipline which you know in reality pursuing one of these other disciplines mm -hmm. can be an example of seeking to learn yeah, <laughs> yeah. in that particular area yeah. yeah and i think that's a great point kevin because i think oftentimes we also assume who we can learn from and recognize like some of the most valuable lessons I've learned have I've been surprised at where I learned them from just like people that I'm like I did not expect this but you know what that's actually really insightful you know and so as you said like being humble and knowing that we can always be learning and always um, be pursuing that absolutely so um, with that we're now going to learn about perseverance <laughs> I've been waiting oh, the whole time to of say it. Of course you have. Of course I have. I, I love puns if you don't know that about me. Um, but with that, we're really excited to talk about this uh, final chapter in the book, which is just a good job uh, kind of summing it up and, and giving us a, like a last uh, call to action towards uh, the rest of these uh, spiritual disciplines. Um, so with that, Theo, uh, what is perseverance? Yeah, so let's just start off with a definition and perseverance is just the, this is the book's definition, the continual, consistent devotion to growing and maturing in the disciplines, in the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about. Uh, this can transcend spiritual disciplines, but for our discussion as we talk about perseverance from a spiritual discipline perspective, it's a pattern of consistent and continual devotion to growing and becoming better in the disciplines. And perseverance is just so integral uh, to our lives as believers. Um, you know, he who perseveres to the end will be saved. I was just reading through Mark uh, this morning, and Jesus said those words in Mark, and it was just a great reminder um, of just how invaluable perseverance is. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is one of those particular areas that you might not consider a discipline, and you may need to check why you wouldn't consider it one because maybe you struggle to view this as an important aspect of your life in general. Right. And, um, you know, of all the chapters in the book, I think, I think all of them are helpful. I think 
in our particular culture and society, and maybe even a lot of the ministry that we do, this particular chapter may be one of the most timely and impactful for younger believers who we primarily at least minister to in in our community. Um, Learning the importance of perseverance at a young age will bring a lot of joy to your life and I think also uh, help you navigate through a lot of people, pressures, and problems, as Tim Yarborough says, right? Yeah. Uh, seeing that the Lord uses, right, those things to deepen our walk with Him and persevering gives us great confidence in what the Lord's doing in our lives. So it's both, yeah. uh, it, it, it's both sometimes difficult, but it's also an evidence of God's grace in our life right. as we persevere. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of expounding a little bit more then, um, you know, why is it important? Like what, what are some other reasons why it is, is one would say, crucial in uh, this uh, journey of spiritual disciplines? Yeah, I, I'll start. Um, I think one of the, one of the things I, I pulled and gleaned out of the chapter, which really, really spoke heavily to something I think I've observed as a pastor over the course of the last maybe 10 years, and, and Theo, you can um, share whether you've noticed this observation in your time in, in pastoral ministry as well, um, that there's a real desire, at least amongst Americans for the most part, to try to do as much as they can to declutter their lives and make things easier as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's not... I'm not saying that's inherently wrong in general, but but I think there is a tendency for um, Christians in particular to throw in the towel when things get hard and life becomes difficult. And I would sum up some of what I read in the chapter and from what I've observed about other men and women who I've seen display really, really godly character over the course of my you know, over 15 years now of walking with Jesus, that that busy believers display more Christ-like character than yeah. than non-busy believers. And I believe right. that busy believers, and I'll I'll define that in a second if you need me to. Yes, busy <laughs> busy believers um, t- tend to be the ones that are persevering more in their lives. Right. And what I mean by a busy believer is I I. I mean someone who is consistently pursuing the disciplines of grace in their life, uh, consistently pursuing spiritual disciplines, consistently seeking to serve, to share their faith, to read their Bible, to serve their family, to uh, be in prayer, to fast, whatever those things. But and then and then maybe also busy in other areas of their life as well. You know, they have right. a job, they have a family, or or whatever it may be. But they're they're consistently busy in these various areas. The people that I see growing and maturing the fastest, the ones that I see persevering more regularly and experiencing more joy in Christ, are busy believers, not ones that are actively trying to offload responsibilities and right. get rid of things. Right. And uh, Whitney has this quote in the book that I think confirms a lot of what I've observed <laughs> over the years. He says, I've come to the conclusion that with rare exceptions, the godly person is a busy person. The godly person is devoted to God and to people, and that leads to a full life. Right. And and one thing I'll, I'll do a quick throwback to is recognizing 
that in busyness, you know, there's this beautiful thing called uh, the discipline of time management. Of course. Um, and we have uh, an episode on that, which I'll link in the description. Um, but it's so, so important to recognize that business isn't pulling you away from God, but it instead like challenges you to persevere and push towards God. Yeah. I mean, it encourages yeah. you to focus on the things you're supposed to, to focus on. And I, I think one of the beautiful things that if you, if you are busy in a healthy way, because there are unhealthy mm-hmm. examples of busyness, For but sure. if you are busy yeah. in a healthy way, if you're learning a skill like time management so that you're learning, you're also persevering to get things done and be doing them consistently and maturing in how you do those things. There's all sorts of like good things the Lord is doing in you as you work that out. Theo, I don't know if you would concur or not, but just from what you've seen in pastoral ministry, is this something that you've seen over time or is this something that uh, I've seen it you know, here and there but not maybe – overall no i totally agree with you i feel like in so many ways um you know the more you try to be spiritually disciplined the more you try to devote time to god devote time to people you're gonna have a full life you know as whitney said then you're gonna be very very busy um and that hopefully ultimately will lead to godliness it's definitely something that i've seen pretty consistent in the godly person's life i know very few godly people who are slack or lazy. Well, I mean, the Lord says that he hates a slothful person. So it seems to stand to reason then that um, disciplining ourselves, um, you know, this will be something that we'll even see as a church in a couple of weeks when we continue through First uh, Timothy. Uh, you know, Paul, talking to a young believer and leader in the church, Timothy, talks to him about the importance of disciplining himself Right. And I mean, he uses military terminology. He uses <laughs> um, like kinesiology or physical education terminology to describe, you know, the the weightiness and the difficulty of it, and yet the importance of it when he's talking to Timothy. And I, so I just think this is something that maybe is lost on us in some ways in the church because, and I don't necessarily. I, I, one, there's a level of fallenness. And right. all of us, right? Where we're gonna we're gonna look for work or whatever it is to be easier. But I also think like some of this is just trained in us. It's the the way the world is set up. I mean, think about it. You know, what's easier? Waiting three hours for your food to cook in a, an oven or waiting fifteen minutes in a microwave? You know, like convenience is nice. There's a for reason sure. why it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but the convenient route with the Lord is rarely the route that's going to produce good fruit in your life. And I think that's something to to take seriously and consider. Yeah. yeah. And I, I believe you have an example from one of my favorite uh, <laughs> pastors of all time. Yeah. Year, I mean, years years ago, I was at a conference, and I tend to be the, the guy that goes to the conference and, you know, can only handle like one or two talks because otherwise it's just like getting hooked up to a fire hose. And so if, if you've ever seen me at a conference and I'm sitting outside, it's probably because I'm processing through something I heard in a previous talk, not because I don't want to listen to whoever's talking at the, uh, at the current moment, but uh, Matt Chandler was speaking. And one of the things I, he said, and it's, it's just stuck with me for years now in ministry um, is he, he was speaking through and he, he called, he said, being in ministry, so he was talking primarily to pastors, but, you know, I think this, you know, if we take Second Corinthians chapter 5 seriously, we're all ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. Absolutely. So there's a, 
there is an application here that goes across vocational lines. Um, but he said, you know, pastors are called to embrace, and, and really just men and women who are followers of Jesus are called to embrace something he called a, a blessed tiredness. And what he, what he meant by that is that he said that we should be so committed to living life to the glory of God to making his name be known, and the ways that we might do that is by working with excellence at our jobs, by uh, giving attention to our children and loving them well, by, by serving our spouse or our roommates or whoever we're living with, by discipling others and spending time with them. If you are doing all of those things, you are going to be tired. Yeah, Actually, absolutely. probably pretty much consistently tired. And what struck me is that he was talking to this room full of pastors and he's saying to them, instead of encouraging us to find ways to simplify our lives, he instead encouraged us to press into that tiredness and view it as a way to honor God. And I thought that was really, really good because he was, he was encouraging us to persevere. He's like, you're tired. That's okay. It's okay to be tired as long as it's a tiredness that's connected to consistent service to the Lord. Now, obviously this doesn't demean the role of a Sabbath or the right. need for us to rest. You need to be resting. I'm, you know, don't, <laughs> don't listen to this and say, well, Pastor Kevin said that I should only sleep three hours a night and work seven <laughs> days a week. That's not what I'm saying. But, what, but I think what I am saying is that in those six days a week that you're supposed to be working and in the, you know, anywhere from 16 to, you know, 18 hours that you will be working or living and not being asleep during the night because you should be sleeping six to eight hours a night. Mm-hmm. College students. <laughs> <laughs> there, there should be a pursuit of the Lord that yeah. makes you tired. And that can include also taking care of your body and working out. Again, I'm not saying that we don't do things that are also considered leisure activities or, or whatever else, but even those leisure activities should have a purpose built into them Absolutely. for uh, rest and God's glory. Yeah. And so I just think this is, you know, this is something that, that how often do you hear like, you should be tired every day. When you, when you get in bed, you should be exhausted. And you yeah. should be exhausted not because you stayed up till 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., doing whatever it is you were doing. Um, but you should be exhausted because you gave it all for the Lord that day. And if you didn't give it all for the Lord that day, go to bed you know, and then seek to do it the next day. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes me think about the fact that, you know, we never take a break from God. You know, despite whatever we do and all the activities that we engage in throughout our days, like we never take a break from the Lord. Amen. So like even those leisure activities can be godly activities because you're still connected to Christ. Amen. Amen. My, my pastor has this hilarious story. They were doing beach outreach one time uh, in Virginia Beach, and uh, he was talking to this lady on the boardwalk, and when he starts talking to her about God, she goes, I- I'm on vacation. And he, said, <laughs> and he looked at her and said, you're on a vacation from God? <laughs> and she looked at him and goes, okay, we can talk, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the reality of what she had said kind of hit, like, you're, you're absolutely right, Theo, like, there, there is no break from the Lord, right? Walking with Jesus is holistic, 24-7, 365, because God is able um, to be there for us at all times. God is there at all times, so walking with him should be a holistic approach, not a secular approach to where we compartmentalize things at various times. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So with that, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, because this all sounds well and good and like, yeah, we want to persevere. But a lot of people, you know, especially in ministry, as we talk to people and we challenge people, like they try to do things and they commit and then they just fail and they commit and they fail. And like perseverance is arguably like this grand idea that sounds really good, but seems to be a really big struggle. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, to, to wrap up, like why it's important, like why would you say this is such a big struggle? I think there's a few. Um, one would be laziness. Um, I think. Amen. I think people fail to grow, especially in spiritual disciplines, not because they lack the ability or the availability, but they're just lazy. Yes. Right. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that in like a, a mean or demeaning way that if you're listening to this and, sure. and you're, you're struggling with perseverance that I'm just straight up calling you lazy, but I would encourage you to examine yourself and saying, Hey, are you really giving that? Uh, a genuine heartfelt effort to persevere in whatever that area um, may be. I mean, when he says in the book, scripture confirms what observation perceives laziness never produces godliness. I can just, you know, laziness never produces a good athlete. Laziness never produces a good worker. Laziness never produces a good student. Laziness never produces a good doctor. I mean, it's just an observation in life. There's a reason why scripture affirms what we also observe in and human beings. Right. And so I would say that, that that would be one. I think another one I would add, and, and we didn't talk about this yesterday, but I think it's super important. Laziness can be one thing that tends to lead people to struggle with persevering in, in these disciplines and in their lives. But I think another thing that people really, really struggle with is they really, really stink at understanding what perseverance really is. <laughs> they, they set a goal, which is a good thing to do. Hey, I want to read my Bible more, or I want to read my, um, a, a book outside of scripture that is going to help me to learn, or I want to pray more or whatever else. And they set these goals that are usually probably one pretty unrealistic for what their lifestyle is or what their discipline level is currently, or, uh, they have a very short term view in mind of what success looks like. If I'm going to grow in a spiritual discipline, I don't want to grow for the next six months. I want to grow for the next 60 years or however long I may have left on this earth. And so I think one, laziness tends to be one of the the things that creates problems. But I also think just our approach in general to life and disciplines is often very, very short-sighted instead of um, having the marathon that is life be be in mind, meaning – if you if your goal is to read your Bible every day for a month and you miss a day, that seems really, really kind of like oh, like oh, I failed, you know, like whatever. But if your goal is to read your Bible every day and you miss one month out of excuse me, you miss one day out of like, you know, sixteen months, right? Well, that's perseverance, right? And by the way, we're talking about the P word perseverance, not perfection. Yeah. Right. And that's that's something for people to remember too. For those of you guys that struggle with perfection, perseverance is not perfection. Perseverance is going back at it again the next day when you failed the day before. Yeah, that's definitely a huge thing to distinguish for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, this this works in so many different areas of life. And I think one of the reasons why perseverance is a discipline and something we should pursue is the gospel motivates us to persevere. And the gospel says we're already fully accepted, loved, and adopted in Christ by the Father. And so when you fail, you can go do it again the next time. You know, this is something I teach my kids. You know, when, when we have like certain rules in our house and when our kids violate those rules, I say to them, 
this is how it is in our house. Because you are already a member of our family, this is what standard you are held to, the same way we're held to God's standard of his children. But also because you're a member of this family, you can't lose that status. But tomorrow, we're not, you're not going to do this because, because you're a member of this family. And, and you're forgiven, you're loved, and you're also going to persevere and display proper behavior <laughs> in our house next time. And I think that's just, that's a, that is a picture of the gospel, right? It's a picture of God's grace towards us in that when we fail, there's mercy available to us, there's grace to us, and that grace not only forgives us, but it also empowers us and encourages us and motivates us to persevere and pursue holiness and discipline unto the Lord. Yeah, that's good. So uh, I think that really segues well into our desire to persevere in trying to strive and, you know, have this is um, recognizing some of the key elements that help us through this process. And we just want to hit on them. The book went over these three um, uh, categories, which is the role of the Holy Spirit, um, the role of fellowship, and then lastly, the role of struggle. So we're going to hit on each one of these uh, categories and and really process through them a little bit and help you understand what the book means by that. And maybe some of our own like uh, little side comments about it. Uh, but it was super, super helpful. And so, Theo, if you wouldn't mind just kind of starting us off and really uh, helping us walk through this idea of the role of the Holy Spirit in perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we're really big believers in the sovereignty of God and just the fact that God has to lead us and he orchestrates all events. And so I was really encouraged by Whitney kind of beginning this section by talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, because if we're going to be able to persevere and if we're going to be able to, to make it to the end with our faith, and we're going to be able to stay disciplined within the disciplines. We're going to need God to do that. Like we can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough to do it on our own. And Whitney quoted from Jerry Bridges. He uh, said these words from his book about the discipline of grace. A major temptation in the self-discipline approach to holiness, however, is to rely on a regiment of spiritual disciplines instead of on the Holy Spirit. I believe in spiritual disciplines. I seek to practice them. But those disciplines are not the source of our spiritual strength. Mm -hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ is, and it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to apply his strength to our lives. And that was just a phenomenal reminder that it's not our own internal sense of discipline that gets us by, that helps us to be able to endure and to make it through. But we need God to be able to be godly. We need God to be able uh, to live this Christian life and to be able to be faithful to him. Uh, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11 tells us. And so it's so encouraging just to uh, consider this fact that we don't do anything without God, not even become more like him without him. We need God. Um, and it's just, just such a, a blessing to know that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us in that action and uh, leads us into faith. Um, I love how he just expresses this idea of not relying on ourselves. And this is so American. Like, this is so our culture to a T is <laughs> yes, to believe is. that within ourselves, within, you know, each individual, that we can do anything. You know, like we just believe in the power of the individual in the society. And God is constantly trying to remind us that we need him. You know, he made us to to run on the fuel of himself 
and not on our own self-created fuel. And so to be able to maintain the disciplines without the Holy Spirit of God is impossible. So it's just such a great reminder to us that we need God. Yeah, I definitely think this is one of those uh, ideas in Scripture that, like, I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying, but, you know, like, there's kind of a certain, like, we don't fully or will ever fully understand what it looks like for us to, you know, have the Holy Spirit helping us and, like, motivating and giving us that power while at the same time, like, we still have a call to action where, you know, we're doing it and just like this, like both are true. And I think like it's such a great reminder for someone like me who can lean more legalistically to be like, hey, like you're not alone in this. Like, yes, you should be doing these things, but like don't just do it on your own. Like recognize you have someone there to help you. And I think that can be really encouraging. Yeah, one of the important things to remember is that the Holy Spirit's the one changing our desires, you know, and conforming them to the image of Christ. And so, you know, I would, I would even go so far as to say it's important to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit yeah. to be, be doing that work in us. Like not just, I mean, th- there's a beauty in, in, in having faith and an assumption that the Holy Spirit is going to do that work, but God also wants to hear from us and, and have us ask, and, you know, it, you can approach him, you can approach the Holy Spirit and, and ask him, you know, will you, will you give me the desires that will, then empower me to have the the self discipline to to yeah. to do these things because I, I think one of the the primary things and you were mentioning this Theo one of the reasons why people fail to persevere is uh, if you're doing something on your own power it's easy for you to be the one to then say let's give up hundred percent but if you're doing something with God's motivation and God's the one encouraging you to do something there's a there's a little bit more of a of a <laughs> oomph. Yeah. <laughs> right behind the call yeah. to be pursuing that thing. And I don't just say that so that, you know, as like some sort of like psychological psyching yourself out so that you can then pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps. But I genuinely believe, right, if you're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to persevere and do these things, right, the motivation behind why you're pursuing this is so much more important than, hey, I just want to do this because it looks good or it's what I'm supposed to do. But it's like, no, God is calling me to this and i can see it and feel it and experience it and know it that he's calling me to this and i need to pursue it yeah absolutely so with that uh you know we kind of went over this idea of the role of the holy spirit and then the next one is the role of fellowship uh kevin if you wouldn't mind uh, talking to us a little bit about that yeah if you if you want to persevere in life accountability is vital yeah on and this is in anything, anything, in anything you want to do, accountability is going to be vital. There are some of us that can be more accountable to ourselves than other, but even those people who are super, super accountable to themselves still need a coach or an accountability partner or someone who can, can hold them accountable. You know, I think like my accountability partner for keeping my weight off is my scale. <laughs> <laughs> I step on that scale every day. Right, that is my accountability partner to remind me, no, you, you're you're not going to put the weight back on that you you've done last time, and like that's a silly example. But if you're pursuing disciplines, having someone that's going to be checking in on you, like yeah. you know, what, what are you, what are, what are you doing with prayer, and then it's going to be praying for you, mm-hmm. uh, helping you, walking alongside you, and encouraging you. Hey, don't give up. 
Don't give up. Have either of you guys ever like been lifting weights and you could not get something up, and then a friend started <laughs> yelling at you, and you were able to throw the rest of that weight up? Oh yeah. I don't know. Yep. I don't know what that is. I, maybe there's something you know psychologically connected to getting an extra shot of adrenaline when someone's yelling at you to do something. But you know, I, there, God designed us to be there for one another and yes. and accountability is so important and fellowship and community is so important in persevering because you can have people that both can put their arm around you and love on you when you fail but then also help pick you back up and be like no 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 we're not going to sit here and wallow in this we're not going to sit here and self-deprecate or whatever it may be we're going to we're going to pursue Christ because when we when we withdraw from the the community of Christ and the spiritual protect, protection that God provides us in fellowship, we're going to be more easily deceived by sin, and yep. we're going to be more easily swayed to give up and throw it, throw in the towel, right? But when you are in community, I mean, I have seen people that have like really struggled with some big things, adultery, um, addiction, and all of those people I watched struggle when they were on an island, but when they when they submitted themselves to God's design to be committed to community and persevering over that sin and putting that sin to death. I watched them flourish and watch God honor that in their lives. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, I think it's a, pu- a beautiful, powerful um, display of how God designed his church to operate. Yeah. Um, and though this be a fictitious example, I still think it reigns as a beautiful, beautiful example in Lord of the Rings that Frodo would not have made it to Mordor if it were not for Sam and he would not have been able to persevere all the way. Um, and like, what a beautiful, beautiful image there. Um, yes, I'm a geek, but (laughs) (laughs) that is a spiritual example. Absolutely. Tolkien was a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. I mean, and, and part of, you know, it, part of the Lord of the Rings series obviously isn't supposed to be a perfect imagery or allegory to the Christian walk, but there are definitely images there that he's attempting to to put in there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Frodo going to Mordor and the struggle that that is, um, the last uh, category is the role of struggle. So, Thea, if you wouldn't mind helping us understand, what do they mean by saying like the role of struggle? I thought that this was probably one of the most encouraging sections of this particular chapter because if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're thinking through all the spiritual disciplines that we just went through, all 13 of these disciplines that we've discussed, you're probably thinking, man, this is really, really difficult. How am I going to constantly take in the Bible, read the Bible, meditate on the Bible, go through prayer fast? How am I going to be able to journal and to learn and to, you're thinking through all of these different things. And you're like, this is a struggle. Like this is difficult. And I love the fact that Whitney engages that and he reminds us of that. And he actually takes some time to address that. You know, he says that um, all Christians struggle in most the same ways. Um, I love that section he was talking about. There was a young lady who he was speaking to and she just felt overwhelmed she was so encouraged by the fact that to hear that he also struggles to live this life. The person who wrote the book struggles to be disciplined and to maintain the disciplines and to live the Christian life well. Just hearing that from people that you love and you respect, people perhaps even that you look up to, is so um, so enheartening. Um, it's, it gives us just vigor and the ability to carry on because we realize that we're not alone. 
I think one of the things that Satan uses so effectively in the lives of both believers and unbelievers is this idea that you're the only one that struggles with dot, dot, dot. He loves to put us in the darkness. He loves to put us in isolation. He loves to make us think, well, you can't talk about that or you can't like express that because if you express that, you're not going to be accepted and received. And he keeps us in darkness. And so frequently believers feel like they're the only ones that have a hard time reading the Bible. Well, newsflash, every Christian who's ever existed has had a difficult time reading the word and being consistent in God's word. This is not something that's new. This is something that's common to man, much like temptations are. And so I love that he just gives us this gives us this window into the fact that the struggle is consistent for all believers. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about how uh, I've, I've, we've had a number of community groups over the years, but one of my community groups that was the most tight knit was a study that Jackie and I did just for young newly married couples or couples who were engaged. And the first like two times we got together, it was easily the most awkward group. I've ever had like it was just like like no one was really connecting and it was it, it kind of threw me off because I was like man everyone's kind of like in the same sa- stage and season of life like this is super weird and then we got to you know like I think it was like the end of the second week and people just started talking about with the material that we were going through like their own struggles as husband and wives and like the silly things they were fighting over and the ways that they knew they weren't mirroring what God asked of them in scripture and then someone was like I'm that way. Oh yeah, we do that too. We, we struggle with that too. And the moment they started realizing they were struggling together, <laughs> it was beautiful to kind of see this, um, like, hey, we're in this together to encourage one another to, to be doing this together. And what's funny, like, in what you're saying, they were all struggling with the same thing and there, the struggle was real. But it was once it was brought into the light and they all kind of came together, there was like this beautiful kind of like relation, these relationships. By the end of the semester, I mean, I don't even know why Jackie and I were even there anymore other than that we were hosting it in our home because they were all ministering to one another in like really, really beautiful ways. And it was one of these like really, really kind of cool moments as a pastor to be like, yeah, we kind of started this thing, but man, like the Lord just blessed it and, and took off with it but it, it was rooted in them seeing these common struggles that they were walking through together and uh, and instead of running from that and viewing it as this terrible thing they viewed it as something to lock arms with together and pursue christ together yeah that's so good yeah so encouraging another thing that this uh, kind of reminds me of is just the idea that if you ever find yourself around the person who says that you can be totally free from hindrances or sin just to completely avoid <laughs> being around that person. Because there's always those Christian perfection people who kind of teach and even sometimes just live out um, what they believe to be living out this very like pharisaical like mindset of I can do all things well and all things right. And I never struggle with anything and like sin what's sin? I don't sin, (laughs) you know? And that's such a common idea among some Christians, but it's so false. It's so false. Yeah. All believers struggle. All believers sin. John tells us in first John, if we, if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. He doubles down to make sure that you don't have that mindset. Uh, so just just avoid that. You know, if you're going to be able to go through the struggle um, and to make it through to the end, you're going to have to um, avoid that mindset. Another reminder, this kind of goes to something that Kevin said earlier, um, is that there's just no shortcuts to godliness. You can't be lazy. You can't get there overnight. 
it takes months, it takes years to get into the disciplines that we should be in to be able to get us to the place that the Lord wants us to be, to be in. Mm-hmm. To become Christ-like, we have to strive and we have to struggle yeah. to become like Jesus. There's so many parts of ourselves that have to die. And there's so many parts of Christ that need to come alive and to, and to grow and to flower. Um, and then my last thought here is just... Um, if you're telling yourself that you're going to practice the spiritual disciplines when you get more time, realize that you never will have that time. You only get less. <laughs> you only get less. The older you get, the more your responsibilities increase. Uh, when you get married, when you get kids, when you get a different job, when you get out of college, or whatever your transitions are, you're always going to find yourself to be so limited in time. So we just have to make the the commitment. We have to make the the resolution. We have to resolve to use our time well uh, because we only get 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time. And one of the things I've noticed about people is that people prioritize what they want to prioritize. Mm. You know, people will tell you, I have no time. But then they join fantasy football, and all of a sudden, they have one of the best fantasy football teams that there is. (laughs) And yet, those same people had no time prior. And so we always prioritize the things that we find to be important. Yeah. So our hope is that you guys find the spiritual disciplines to be important. Yeah. Are you referring to your fantasy football team being the best fantasy football team in our league? Because it's not undefeated. Almost certainly is. <laughs> but I'm close. <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely. And uh, it's so, so important uh, to recognize that. But, uh, just for you guys to remember, indeed, the struggle is real, <laughs> but <laughs> it, is, it is not bad, but can indeed be an encouragement and a way to grow in perseverance. So uh, you're not alone in that. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So as we wrap up this talk on perseverance, do you guys have any last thoughts that you uh, have? I'll just say that I've loved going through all the spiritual disciplines. It's been very encouraging and edifying for my own soul. I hope that you guys took a lot from this. Uh, hopefully you're excited about what we're going to transition into. Uh, it's going to be some make, some more great ideas that we're going to express on the podcast. Yeah. And if this is, uh, um, uh, this is the time to let us know what you think we should uh, be talking about. And you could be an influence in what we discuss. Isn't that exciting? Wow. Just email us at podcast at alatheagainesville.com. And make sure you spell Alathea right. Um, maybe <laughs> that that's important. maybe that's why we don't get as many as we think we should. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that, uh, we do want to excite you and let you know that the next uh, few weeks we're going to be still on this topic of spiritual disciplines, but with essentially chapters that you could not read in the book. <gasps> How exciting! Um, so we'll be going from the personal disciplines to some more corporate disciplines. Yeah. Um, so still disciplines, but more corporate, like with other people. Um, so we're super excited to be talking about that. Um, I will leave you on yet another cliffhanger of what could we possibly talk about next. You just know it's going to be really, really good. Um, and I know that these guys here are excited and we are looking forward to our next podcast. So with that, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you for listening consistently and uh, staying tuned and uh, go and be the church. Never, never hurts to have an extra clap in there. <laughs>